What, what we want to talk about this morning is glory to God through spreading the gospel. Uh, we're taking the text this morning from Romans uh, 15, 17 through 24, and I'm going to go ahead and read that first before we get started. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Lyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he, has not, he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your com company. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I want to ask your blessing today. Lord, move me out of the way and just, just use me. Uh, I know that you can use me in my weakness, and I, I look forward to just being your vessel, Lord. Uh, I want to also ask that you open the ears of the people, Lord. Let them hear what you have for them. Lord, I know I've already been touched by some of what, what you've had me study, Lord, and I, I look forward to others seeing that. I want to ask that you be with me again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to just kick us off with the first point. The first point is you need to minister the gospel of Christ through the power, through his power. You know, last week Jay was talking about how Paul has his, ministry, his key ministry to the Gentiles. And this is going to be the starting point of where we are today. Uh, you know, what did Paul's ministry look like? You know, Paul's ministry was one of pain and suffering, want and rejection. Many of the places he went to didn't really want to see him there. But Paul didn't really see it that way, right? Paul always looked at his ministry as one of salvation and discipleship and following God. And that's because John, because he had this, this realization that everything he did was to the glory of God and by by glory through Jesus Christ. I want to kind of back up a little bit into what Jay preached last week because it's the kickoff point for verse 17. Uh, and what he started with last week was, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting in you, you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. And the reason why we have to back up is because there's a therefore there. And we always need to set the context before we start in a verse that begins like that. So the key point here is to glory in the things which pertain to God. Paul preached the gospel to the Gentiles in the cities he visited in his missionary journeys. Paul saw the glory in the ministry to God, and it's reflected in 
in the letters that he wrote, particularly the church at Corinth. First uh, Corinthians 23 through 31, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 23 through 31. But we have preached Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but to him, but to of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know, Paul aligned very carefully and clearly what he was doing, the preaching that he started with in verse 23, and that God using him in his weakness, in his foolishness, in, in all of the things that he was not, God can use to do the things he needs to do. Uh, there's a similar verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 13 through 17. And, it, and again, it talks again about, but we will not boast of the things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to preaching the gospel. How many, how, how, by preaching the gospel. So, I kind of have a question for you. Ah, sorry. To our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things, made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Paul's got this right, right? When you, when you look back to the, the, the verse in 1 Corinthians, you see that he glories in the wisdom, the righteousness, sanctification, and redemption he's obtaining from the Lord. The Lord chooses the foolish and the weak and the base to spread the gospel to his glory. Uh, Notice how Paul ties the glory in the Lord to preaching the gospel. So I got a question. How can we best glorify God today? And that's by preaching the gospel as we've been commanded. Paul got, and I know when we rolled through the first Corinthians verse, you saw a reference and it says, but, but as according as it is written. And where did he get that? He got that from Jeremiah 9, 23 through 34. And it says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exerciseth, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. 
You know, it's, it's, it's falling right back. That was that beginning point that says, don't glory in our own wisdom, don't glory in our own strength, but glory in what God can do through us. We need to know that the things that we see in this world just aren't worth, worth glorying over. I don't, I, most of you probably watch the news at night. Uh, wise men are telling us what we should do through their eyes of wisdom. Mighty men hold positions of power, and they lead us in paths that they see fit to follow. The rich are using their wealth to benefit themselves. Does anybody in here, without raising your hands, watch things like the Grammys or the SAG Awards or the Oscars? Did you know that there are actually 50 different groups that are out there to honor actors and the things they do? And yet, most of them are apostate and a part of the world. Uh, Those aren't things we should glorify in, that we should glorify at all. We allow ourselves to be enamored by those actions and by the positions of men, but we don't always allow ourselves to see the glory in the things that our Lord and Savior has done for us. We have to put aside our own strength, our own wisdom, our own, and view our view of ourselves to do what the Lord has asked and to glory in his power to save men. So the key question I have for you today is what do I give glory to? Do I give glory to the things of the world or do I give the, or the things of God? So my next point is to give glory to God. And we do that by preaching the gospel of Christ. This comes out of verses 18 and 19. And let me start by pointing out that Paul did mighty things through oratory preaching. Jay honors God each week by letting God work through him. It means something to each, each one of us too, though. Paul talks here about preaching the gospel. How many people need to be present when we preach the gospel? Is it a thousand? Is it five hundred? Is it a hundred? Twenty? Ten? Five? You really only need two. You need the preacher and the hearer. We cannot glorify God by letting our flesh lead us. Paul would not speak of anything that he had done that was not wrought by Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.10, again, God revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Jesus provided that example for us in John 3.34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. For we can fall into a life that's consumed by our flesh, but there are reminders to us in the word that the works of the Lord are not accomplished by the things we do, of ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 11, be thou not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, 
But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, whereof I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. Titus 3, 3, 3 through 7, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hating, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's, it's those clear points, right? Those things that we do ourselves, those works that we might pretend to do to the glory of God are not those things that bring glory to God. They don't even save men. They didn't even save us. Only those things of God are the things that, are save, that save us. It's easy to come to the point where we become overconfident and forget the power of God in our lives. We begin to follow man's wisdom in our studies of the Lord. How many of us would pick up a book from a renowned Christian author, believing that what was in those pages was inspired by what the author had received from the Lord? Just a point to consider. For many of those books, whose picture is on the front cover? Are they really... Do they really intend to glorify the Lord, or are they just glorifying themselves? These, those same authors will teach a prosperity gospel, self-help ministries, or to try to convince us that we're living our best life now. I'm, I'm not judging those ministers of God's word, but while many are probably false teachers, I'd like to think that at least a few of them just stopped relying on the truth and began to rely on their own wisdom. So how can you tell the difference between whether what you're relying on is your own wisdom or comparing what, or, or what God's word is? And the first step of that is to compare what you're saying to God's word. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the, Lord, the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Psalm 43, 3, O send out thy light, thy truth, and let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Psalm 119. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Those are important words. God's word is truth, and it is right. So the second step you can take is to compare what you're saying to man's wisdom. So once you've done this, where does what you're saying best align? If you think it's somewhere in the middle, you're wrong. Anything that's not truth is a lie. And there's a reason why God's word is called right and truth. When you study, stay within the Bible. Use a version that is true. Is true. We solely use the authorized version in this church for teaching and preaching. And there are reasons for that that it would take several hours to explain. Don't start with the writings of man. If you do happen to read a commentary by a learned man, the next step you should be to do 
is to search out the scriptures. Acts 17, 10, and 11 is a perfect, perfect reference for that, right? Paul talks about, or in Acts, it talks about the Bereans. And the Bereans listened to Paul and Silas every night. But what they did is every night they went home and studied what he had said and searched the scriptures to see if it was so. Our next point, we only glorify Lord, glorify God by letting the Holy Spirit lead us. Paul knows and he reminds us of the signs and wonders that he's seen as a part of his ministry. The Lord used Paul as a tool during this time to demonstrate God's power to the people. Paul saw much during this time. Paul was used to heal the lame at Lystra. He cast out a spirit of divination, brought healing to the multitudes, restored Eutychus to life. These signs and wonders were performed through Paul to affirm his apostolic status. But later these gifts left him. If you, if you look, Epaphrodites was sick unto death, and yet Paul couldn't heal him. Timothy had stomach issues. Paul couldn't heal those. When, he was, when Paul was in Philippi, he was released from prison, miraculously. The greatest miracle of all for Paul was his own salvation on the road to Damascus. Paul preached the gospel of Christ, and because of this, God used Paul in a mighty way to lead others to salvation throughout his missionary travels. And Paul understood that these things were not done by his own hand, but were the things done by the Lord as he preached the gospel of Christ. We need to have that same view today. We can't do anything by our own hand, but it is through the power of God. Don't look for miracles to start you down this path. Many of the churches venerate miracles. They look for those things in life. We see wonderful movies on TV about miracles that have occurred. I want you to know something today, that if you're saved, you've already experienced the greatest miracle you can experience. Our salvation is something that we get, not because of what we do, but because of who we believe and trust in. And just so you know, you know, it wasn't just Paul that was... was that relied on the things of God. We also see an example of Peter back in Acts 4, 7 through 10. And he's standing before Annas and Caiaphas to, regard, to answer questions regarding the healing of the lame man. And he pointed to the power of Jesus Christ. Acts 4, 7 through 10. And when he had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's the source of what we teach and preach. Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live in faith. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The answer is clear. We have to put aside anything we might do in the flesh and rely on the Lord to lead us through his Holy Spirit. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Put aside anything we might do aside from preaching that gospel. So our next bullet is to preach the gospel where it has not been heard. And Paul talks about this in verses 20 and 21. He says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written to him, he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. You know, it's easy to take up a ministry where someone has done, else has done all the hard work. Uh, Paul did not want to take a ministry to build on the things which another man had done. He recognized that there was much of the world where the name of Christ had not been heard. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, For we stretch our, not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we preach not that we reach not unto you. For we are coming as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when our, your faith is increased, that we should be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We preach the gospel within this building, but that certainly isn't enough. You know, we're even willing to talk to like-minded individuals. Jesus gave us the model for moving outward in ministry. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. You know, it seems appropriate for that time, but what does this mean to us today? Remember, this was given to the apostles when they were in Jerusalem. So the first place to be a witness was right where they were. The Lord had never intended for this to end there, though. Next was Judea and then Samaria. You know, we can liken this to moving out into the areas around us and into the remainder of the country and neighboring countries. Y'all should remember, right? We support David Moat with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in North Alabama. This is a likening to the, to the Judea of the world. This is our own mission field. Think about the Sours that we support in New York doing ministry with the sports teams at the schools there. Or Mike Renault, who just moved his entire family to Boston to minister there. This is Samaria to us. It's those starting to move outwards. And then there's that entire mission field in the rest of the world that we support. Places where people are hungry for the gospel. Hungary, Zambia, Malawi, Kenya, Romania, Peru, the Philippines. Paul's ministry took him into those areas where the gospel had not been taught. 
and his ministry took him to modern-day Illyricum, which includes parts of Albania, parts of Greece, and eventually to Rome. So let's take a minute to look back to Isaiah, because this is in verse 21 when he said it, but it is written. And, and it comes from Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 15. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his vision was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Isaiah 65.1 echoes as a piece of this, and it says, I am sought of them that ask not for me, I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. The key point here is that the gospel still needs to be spread to the whole world. There is an entire world out there that has not heard of him. They're seeking him, and they don't even know that they're seeking him. They're looking for salvation from the trials of the world. They're seeking for a creator that they don't know exists. We saw that this is at the beginning of our study when we were in Romans. Romans 1, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his, external, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The, the key, key point here is, is the world may not have heard the gospel, and there's a reason why they haven't heard the gospel that we'll get to, but they know of his existence. They know that God exists. He's been revealed to them. We have a mission to fulfill, and it's codified in God's word both in Acts 1, but also in Matthew. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You know, if you're called to a distant mission field, Know that if you follow God's leading, you will see fruit. You might not be called to a distant mission field, but there's a ready mission field for you here. The religion of this world has confounded the truth of the gospel. The simplest solution is to tell the world of the gospel of Christ. There's a broad mission field out there that needs us to bring the power of the gospel to them. The key point here is the world needs you to tell them God's word. The only thing in the world that stands between the world and God is us. And that's us telling him, telling the world about God's word and telling them the gospel of Christ. Our, our last point, and that's let the ministry be the only thing that hinders you. And Paul, Paul brings this to light and Verses 22 through 24. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts. And having a great desire these many years to come unto you. 
Whensoever I take my journey unto Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company. Paul was hindered from preaching the gospel every place he wanted to go. Sometimes it was because Satan hindered him. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 18. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Whereof we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Sometimes he was hindered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region in Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Mycenae, and they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. When the Holy Spirit hindered them, it wasn't to hinder them from spreading the gospel. It was to point them to the place he wanted them to go. In this particular case, though, he's hindered by the mission itself. Have you ever considered the breadth of Paul's missionary journeys? The extent to which he traveled? The number of churches he helped create? Based on God's use of Paul. Here in Romans, Paul recognizes that the mission field is limited by his ability to minister. There's still fruit in these areas. And Paul follows the Holy Spirit in his mission ministry. But there are places that he just can't get to. Even so, we still see Paul's desire to continue his mission, his ministry through Rome and into Spain. You know, God's word doesn't reveal to us if he ever made it to Spain. What we do know is he was taken to Rome. And, and even there, during his imprisonment, he preached the word of God to people around him. So the key question today is, what's hindering me? What's hindering us from spreading God's word? Is it our own failure to see the true power of gospel, of the power of the gospel? We believe that there's something that we cannot do because of our weakness, not understanding that God needs our weakness so that we can show his strength. Do we not fear the judgment seat of Christ? We will be held accountable for those things we've done. A final reminder from Romans 10, 11 through 18. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, 
So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the world, into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. It is our mission to preach the gospel. It's our mission to bring those words. They can't hear unless someone's speaking. Are we, you know, the alternatives out here are kind of clear, right? I think it would be foolish for any of us to say we're being hindered by Satan. Satan certainly hinders missionaries. We've seen that. Missionaries that are trying to get onto the mission field that are withheld by COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, things that happen in their lives as they're headed to the mission field. But many of us haven't even made that step yet. So what's hindering us? Are we consumed by the things of the flesh? Are those things that we're so devoted to that we don't have time for the things of God? Do we allow people, relationships, things of the world to keep us tied to the world and not to the things God would have us do? Finally today, if you don't know, who, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, this question is really important to you. What is hindering me? This is not a question that you should ponder for very long. Let us tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of salvation. Don't leave here today without settling the question that underlies all of this. If I were to die today, would I spend eternity in heaven or in hell? It is God's will that all men be saved, so much so that he provided a path for salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't have anything more today, but I'd like to ask Cody to come up and do a closing song for us. I'll go ahead and pray for us, but I really want you guys to consider that. If, if what's hindering you today from getting out on the mission field are things of this world, things that you need to do, things that you need to get right with God, take that to him. Use the power of God. Let God use you. And again, if you're not saved today, please consider that today. Jay's up here. I'm here. There are a number of us that can talk to you and walk you through that that gospel of Christ to salvation.